Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey listeners, before we start this episode of The Antidote, we want to express that at the time of this recording on May 14th, we heard that 10 people were shot and killed and three people were wounded in Buffalo, New York. Our hearts are with the families of the victims. So before we get into the fun of it all, we wanted to acknowledge that we have heavy, heavy hearts. Words feel hollow right now, but we couldn't not acknowledge this tragedy. Authorities have described this as racially motivated extremism, and we denounce this violence and all violence against black and brown people. So as we start the show, we want to remind you that today and every day, black lives matter. Black lives matter. Thanks for listening. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. So, you know, put some earplugs in the ear holes of anybody who shouldn't be listening to this, because we about to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love, talk to people we adore, crushes we have, and self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Woo-woo! Hi, everybody. Welcome. Well, we can't have the antidote if we don't have something to have an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. Guys, I'm really bummed out with this one. So trans women are apparently being denied safety at Ukraine's borders, which is just a blow because black people are also being denied safety at Ukraine's borders. And I'm just like, Come on, it's a war. See humans as humans and just help people. I also kind of feel like there's just been so much trans violence in the last, like, I mean, since forever, but in the last, like, couple of years, there's been so much trans violence. And this always makes me think of the intersectionality of being Black and trans or of color and trans. And it means you're double unsafe. And I feel, I've heard that, you know, since 2017, trans people in Ukraine have been legally recognized but must undergo extensive psychiatric observation and a lengthy bureaucratic process before their gender can be reflected on formal documents. Add to that the way that all these people in East Europe be treating people of color and Black people specifically. I'm just like, end this fucking war and be kind. Can we just be kind? It's too hard to ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really disturbing. I mean, it, sometimes it, it's it's funny. Like, I sometimes I reflect on Martin Luther King's words that said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it always bends towards justice. And I have to remember that because sometimes it feels like we're taking so many steps backwards. Like, there's so many new laws against trans people just popping up all over the country. There's so many, um, there's so much gerrymandering and there's so much anti-voting <laughs> rights uh, going on. It just feels very anti-progress, period. So um, this really makes me sad. I mean, obviously, you know, as a human being, my heart is with any um, person that's in any 
kind of conflict that means in the Ukraine, that means in the Middle East, that means in Africa, that means all the way around the world. Um, but it's it's hard when you can't feel a hundred percent on board with loving people because they're being hateful towards others. So that that's a real bummer. I'm yeah, really sad um, to hear that. The bummers don't stop there. I also read that microplastics have been found in the lungs of living people. Did you hear about this? Microplastics? Microplastics? So basically, there's this thing called polypropylene, and it's used in plastic packaging and pipes and PET, which is a type of packaging. And it's used in bottles, like, you know, plastic bottles, like we drink water out of. Well, people have been breathing in the tiny particles, you know, for years. But now microplastics have been detected in human blood for the first time in March. And it's showing that the particles can travel through the body and may lodge in organs. Nope. They say the impact on health is as yet unknown, but I'm going to tell you one thing. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound yeah, good, Grace. I don't think that we should have that. Um, and you know what? I ha- made a commitment a while ago to start drinking water almost exclusively out of glass bottles. Mm. Um, and so this is validating my decision to do that. And also like, you know, I get you know, like meal delivery services and sometimes I'm just like, you know, let me not just heat it up in what it came in, which is plastic. Oh, um, let me put it in an actual dish and then put it in the microwave or, you know, I've even stopped trying to use a microwave so much. Sometimes if it looks like something I can heat up on the stove or put in the oven, I will do that because I do really believe that it's just really not healthy. Like I used to eat so many TV dinners as a kid. <laughs> So I feel like I'm full of plastic already. You like full plastic, I, I, girl. I feel like <laughs> you like I'm full already full plastic. of plastic. And then you know I was poor for a long time, so like you know eating you know green giant you know steamed vegetables out of a freaking plastic oh God, bag. No so nutrients. So I feel like yeah. um, I'm probably already been exposed to a lot. But you know what I'm trying to do now is I my favorite water is Mountain Valley. <laughs> And so mm-hmm. I drink a lot of that. Oh, yeah, it does come in that fancy bottle. I don't buy yeah. that shit. I'm like, who is this for? <laughs> and then I also have like this fear that the bottle, the glass like in the recycling bin is going to get crushed. And then some recycle man is going to pick it up and cut his arms open. Oh, my God. <laughs> I literally I was like, that's uh, not that's, something you should worry about. But <laughs> that's my anxiety. That's my anxiety. I'm like, what if the glass breaks and then it hurts somebody later? But also, when you talk about microwaves, man, I'd be using that thing. I'm going to be honest. Like, to bring out a pan and a spatula and to whisk shit around in that spatula. I'm just like, put it in the microwave. And then I'm like, what is this doing to me? Well, microwaving all this food every day. I remember from fifth grade, Mr. Something, Mr. I don't remember, it sounds like. I do not remember his name. He was not very nice to me. But anyway, I remember him saying, when you put on the microwave, go into the other room. I remember that for the I do step away. I don't stand in front and stand. But uh, but I was just like, well, (laughs) you have to go in another room. It's probably not that great. But um, (laughs) I but I use it. But you know, the one thing that I do try to do, and I'm not saying I'm perfect with it, but I try to like move things from plastic container and put them in an actual plate. I don't even know what, what, what are the chemicals on the plate? I, I don't, I know that's know. the thing. Cause yeah. my plates are black and I'm like, how'd they become black? Like not in a <laughs> racist way, but like, <laughs> but like, did they paint them? Like, is, is it made of black stone? Is it dyed? Like, how is it black? And it has a gold rim. And I'm like, what's that made out of? So, <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure the yeah. chemicals are all up in me. Um, and probably in you too, sis. And probably yeah. in our listeners. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> We're all made of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that bummer news. Uh, I feel like shit now. How are you feeling, Grace? Uh, don't feel the best. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice time for the antidote. Oh, my God. So... I want to just get into it and say that my antidote this week and many a week is candles. Oh, what kind candles of candles? are my antidote. And I'll tell you why. It's because they fill your house with like pleasant little smells mm-hmm. that you weren't expecting that are better than the food you were cooking or the farts you were farting or, you know, the burps you were burping. It's just like, I mean, what I'm that- hearing is that you are struggling with gas. <laughs> All I'm saying is houses be sneaky sometimes. And also we're all working from home. If your windows aren't open, it can get a little like, you know, stale in there. But the solution is to light a candle. And this is not an ad, but I'm just going to run through some of my favorite candles. If you guys follow me on Instagram at Amy Aniobi on Instagram, you will also see I've posted things about the candles I love. My favorite candle is by a black owned company called Black Sunflower. They make a rosemary sage candle. They also make a candle called Melanin that literally just smells like, you know, brown delight um and then i also really love harlem candle co which you introduced me to great yeah i love love that place i actually yeah. know the owner terry johnson and um, oh so wow. I've, I've um seen her business grow and it's so inspirational but yeah i, I have awesome. tons tons of harlem candle company candles she is celebrity to me. My favorite is Speakeasy. That's my favorite candle. And then I also really love Jean Grey candles. They have one called Black Magic that has like um, spicier smells. Um, Deandra Craigman has a candle called Santal Cardamom. I think that's how you pronounce the word Santal. But it sounds it smells kind of like patchouli-ish, like cleaning, mm-hmm. clean and and like a little spicy. I like Alexander Winbush, the September 6th candle. Oh, same, same. I love that Ooh, candle. That's a good one. And for diversity, I'm throwing in my one white candle, which is Malin and Goats. <laughs> One white candle. My one, yeah, these are all my favorite candles, but I they're all black owned companies. But my <laughs> uh, my only like white company whose candle I absolutely go hard for oh is Malin and Goat Sage. I really love Sage. You know I love Sage. Yes, so you do. It's, it's literally the best smelling candle on the block um, of any block except the block of black owned candles, which uh, kick it out of the water. But anyway, that's that's been my antidote this week. What about you, Grace? Well, my antidote is something that I've been doing since I was a little girl. Um, mm. I love music. Ditto. I love dancing. Me too. So sometimes when I have just had a long day or if just my energy I can feel is stale and low. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, uh, That's usually my grown-up thing to do while I'm showering or whatever. But every Mm -hmm. so often, you know, and I will twerk my way around my house. Like, I will get into it. I will get into the mood of whatever uh, artist it is. Like one thing on heavy rotation is always, even though it's an older song at this point, Queen B, one of song with me. I love the the Mm. Savage remix with Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion. 
I yes, love Unstoppable. Um, if you don't jump to put jeans on, baby, you don't feel my pain. Exactly. I love that. I love Tap 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 In by Saweetie. I love um, dancing around to like old classics like Carl Thomas yes. or um, I also love um, dancing around to that one um, Demi Lovato song, Sorry, or whatever. It's basically about being a bad bitch. It's like, Baby, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for just being so fabulous. So sometimes I'll even put on a little outfit. I'll be like, you know what? Yeah. I was just like, you know what? This what I have on. Sometimes I'll just have on some ratty shorts and I'm just like, no, this is not the vibe for this particular song. So sometimes I will put on a little heel, you know, so I feel <laughs> like my oats. I like that. Um, I'll put on a little, you know, a little freakum dress and I will dance oh. around. As, you know, and it'll help me sometimes close my rings on my Apple Watch <laughs> if I have not closed my rings. I or love whatever. this. It's, I don't know what that means because I don't have an Apple Watch, but I'm assuming it means like movement. Yeah, like you're supposed to get a, a certain amount of um, minutes of movement and a certain amount of oh, calories cool. and a certain amount of hours standing. So um, those are the three rings, and then uh, you have to close all three for you to be happy. Um, <laughs> and so uh, sounds like pressure. Uh, it it is uh, purposely. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, sometimes I will be putting on a full show in my house and I, I will feel like sweaty and happy afterwards. And it always just releases so many endorphins like exercise often does. And, you know, I have formal exercise like yoga and Peloton and um, I, I hike and stuff like that, which I've talked about before on the show. Um, but mm -hmm. like every so often, it's just fun to do um non-specific exercise which means to me putting on some music dancing around the house um and having just a good time me myself and I you know so yeah just you know feeling joyful in your own environment can just shake you out of a dark mood if you have to to get shaken up yeah dance it out dance it out that sounds great I love that that's a great place to stop we'll be back after the break Okay, welcome back to The Antidote. We have a very special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Well, this Bay Area beauty is an actress and producer best known for her role as Gretchen Cutler in the FX cult comedy series, You're the Worst. She also plays Stormfront in the Amazon superhero drama series, The Boys, and Cheryl on Fox's new comedy, a mockumentary called Welcome to Flatch. She is a lover of peanut butter and jelly, vintage clothes, and antiquing. Please welcome Aya Cash. Hey! I'm my own hype person. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to hype you too, girl. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I like that intro. I feel like that probably captured me more than most things. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that me and Amy had a heated discussion about peanut butter and jelly before this. Yes. Um, so we're coming down off of that, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure that Amy and I are friends anymore. <laughs> Wait, We're what's the debate? Here's the thing. I love peanut butter and jelly. So I was like really ecstatic to talk to you about it. And then I made the mistake of mentioning it to Grace before the show started. And the way I make peanut butter and jelly is mostly peanut butter. It's peanut butter on both slices and then just a thin what? layer of jelly in between. That is... <laughs> I am your face. <laughs> See, she's on my side. You know what I'm saying? She's on my side. She understands that the peanut butter to jelly ratio is the most important part of the sandwich. So, 
I mean, Grace is a cat person, so I thought we'd have nothing in common. But uh, absolutely, you're insane, Amy. It is all. It's about balance. It's about texture (laughs) and all peanut butter. No, if anything, I go less on the peanut butter Ah, and more on the jelly. Yeah. That's see, that's the right answer, mm-hmm. and uh, I I don't know how you feel. I I, I love a strawberry preserve. Oh, absolutely. That, that is see. Ugh. What the most basic <gasps> well, of preserves? How... You gotta go weird. Apricot, Dairy. blueberry. But but the key word is preserve <laughs> rather than yes. jelly. Mm-hmm. Like that's yes. the that's the high class. And and like if you've got a little George Foreman grill, if you put it in there and you get it a little. Okay. Oh my goodness. Well, Perfect. I had not heard that, but I will take that tip uh, to heart. I'm glad we can all agree on preserves. Um, I'm really happy about that. And I will. The only thing I like more than peanut butter is hot peanut butter. So I'm going to try this. <laughs> I thought you meant thing. spicy. And I was like, wait, now we've gone too far. <laughs> no, like temperature. Uh, Amy, was that shade? <laughs> Just like warmed up. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we've started out on a weird foot. <laughs> I take responsibility for that because I came in hot. Um, But anyway, our guest today is very, very impressive. But we aren't here to talk about your many, many accomplishments. We are here to get deep. Yeah, let's check in. How are you feeling today? Not not small talk, like for real. Anything weighing on you? Anything making you really happy? Fucking horrible. It's so funny. I um I was thinking about coming on this podcast all day and I was like, do I lie and say I got out of bed easily? Like no. I had no. such a terrible day. No. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into it. It's Let's okay. get into it. We're here to raise your vibration, girl. You know, how was uh-huh. your day today, truly? I just had a sad day. It was like bad weather. The as we know, mm. the world is on fire for many reasons, and I yeah. just felt super sad all day. And actually, I listened to your podcast before I came on because I do my homework mm. like a like a nerdy a student. little student. <laughs> um, and uh, and it did. It actually made me feel better. And I was I was taking a walk with my dog, listening to the podcast, going like, "It's okay. It's gonna be okay." And it's. It's fine. We all struggle. You don't have to come in and have all the answers. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So we, we're we here to raise your vibration. Like Grace said, we need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So I'm curious if there was anything today or this week that's bringing you a little joy. What was it? I get so much joy from my dog. Um, and she's also what gets me out of the house. Um, and uh, as I said, I was listening to your uh, podcast with Robin Thede. And, um, and I was like, y- y- y'all talking about, you know, picking up dog shit. And it's so funny. It's like, it's so different. I think it's like with kids. I mean, I don't know, nor do I want to ever know, but like it, you don't, uh, get grossed out by it. Like I love my dog's poop. Like I'm like, how is it today? Is it healthy? And like, I'm disgusted by all poop. This is not like, I'm not a poop person who's like normally cool with poop. <laughs> But for some reason, it's like the act of caretaking. And like, I want to know how her health is. And like, that's so you look at her poop. Uh, Anyway, but it's like the act of caring for her is what makes me feel love for her. Like what shows me that like love is a verb. And so the act of caring for her often takes me out of my head. Like I did not want to take her on a walk. It's freezing in New York again today. And I, uh, but I had to, and then we were on our walk and, and I was like, okay, this is, 
this feels better. It feels better to get out of the house. It's like everything you sort of, the anticipation of it is always worse. And then you go do the thing and you're like, this was the right thing to do. I didn't need to watch all of that horrible Netflix reality show today. I I should have just left the house. (laughs) First of all, um, it sounds like like your lo- one of your love languages is acts of service Ooh. because you know doing doing stuff for people learning that love is a verb that is that is very much in tune with the acts of service uh, um, love language which is one of my love languages which means but you like to do stuff for other people I like people to do stuff for me and not vice versa. So, uh, but uh, but also I'm curious, what was the Netflix show that you were watching? Oh my God. It's it's like the same thing over and over again. I just can't remember what it is now. It's it's a show about uh, people who are bring their significant others. It's the ultimatum. Oh. Uh, it's the ultimatum. We, we actually the ultimatum, yes. It. It's the, we literally <laughs> dragged it. We dragged it on our podcast. Yeah. Oh my god, that show. Yeah, hot it's garbage not, yet you can't look away. It but it's not the antidote because it's like eating too much candy, which I also did today. Like you're you're like, "Oh, this feels really good in the moment. Like I don't have to think or feel." And then afterwards you're like, "What just happened? What just happened?" Uh, it is called binging for a reason. Why? You do like sometimes you sit and you kill a show and you're just like, yeah. "I don't remember." Anything that happens other than I feel worse now. (laughs) Yeah. But then you got to be kind to yourself, too. I feel like that's part – like, the bad cycle is actually all the judgment that happens afterwards. Like, it's actually fine to – I've been working very hard. I can take a day and sit in bed and watch a show. It's the judgment that comes from that and the, like, ugh, what are you doing? That's bad. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. That, that's, That's the thing to work on. I really believe in like, like, quote unquote, forgiving yourself for procrastinating or like for taking a day unexpectedly, because sometimes you plan a day like it's Saturday. I'm not going to work. I'm going to just like have a day. And sometimes a day just happens and you're like, oops, I'm six episodes into this Netflix show and knee deep in a bag of like, you know, candy. And you're just like, this happened to me. And I feel like it's important to be like. Forgive yourself. It's totally fine. Today was a day. You'll get back on the horse tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's literally my day today. I just polished off a half a package of chicka boom, chicka, chicka boom popcorn, boom, chicka pop, chicka pop, boom, <laughs> the chicka pop. white cheddar. Uh huh. Boom, chicka pop. Damn. I have to say something honest, guys. I, I said half knee deep in a bag of candy, and I didn't want to specify the candy because I thought you guys would drag me. But I'm going to say the candy that is my guilty pleasure, and you guys can just drag away. It's candy corn. I don't know. I mean, I, I just want you to know that you're here on the day of the demise of our friendship. First of all, she said that psychotic thing about peanut butter and jelly. And now she tells me this bitch eats candy me. corn. Like, But not like every day, but like the month of October, I'm just like. But it's not it. October, girl. Like it's it's not job. October, though. I know. Now it would be peeps. Okay? It would be peeps. Amy, I thought you and I were going to be, we have friends in common. I was like, this is going to be, Grace is a cat person. I was like, Amy and I are going to connect. And yet. I'm Loki a monster. Yeah. What is going on today? (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's, let's get back on the rails. 
Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've embarrassed you both. <laughs> oh, Wait, but our, we do have friends in common. And our friend Allison tells me that you are an exceptional antiquer. Mm. I want to hear more about this. Like, where do you do it? What do you find? How long does it take to find something great? All the things. Um, I, yeah, I just love old shit. I always have. It started when I was young because that's, you know, I, I like stuff. I, I'm a stuff person. Um, and uh, and we couldn't afford new stuff. So you'd go and you'd search and I'd go to the Goodwill bins and I'd get clothes out of there. And I thought that was really fun. I mean, obviously now I just sound like every basic bitch because it's like that's what people do. <laughs> Now, like everyone's into thrifting, but what? No, I'm not everyone. I am so like I'm intimidated by thrifting. In fact, I like need a buddy or something because I always just go in there and I was just like, everything is everywhere. There's no organization. I I'm afraid <laughs> like there's too many things. So, uh, but I I think I like the game mm, of it. I'm like let's mm. unearth something out of out of a bin of you know. As dirty, I, I feel like I feel like I'm. I'm just telling you, I'm very comfortable touching dirty, <laughs> nasty shit. <laughs> but every now and then, you start searching in that shit, and you find some gold. So I'm like, is there something that you've like? Do you usually go with a purpose? Like I'm looking for a dresser, or I'm looking for chairs for the dining table, or is it more like a hobby? You're like, I'm just antiquing today, and whatever I find is what I find. I have wish lists from other people. So again, acts of service. I like, mm. I like, I like a task. I like somebody giving me like, here's what you need to do. So I have friends who tell me what they're looking for, and then I'll go and I'll find oh. something for them. And that's, oh, that's so kind. Part of the thrill. Yeah, I don't need to buy for myself. I just like to. You like to, to be shop. in the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, so is there something that you have gotten that was like, wow, that was my favorite find um, of your antiquing adventures? I mean, you know, anything that uh, you find that you realize is worth a lot more. Like I, I found this crazy teapot for $5 once and I looked online on first dibs. It was like 250 bucks and I was like, amazing. But my husband actually found, crazy enough, uh, at our local antiques place or like consignment place, he found a, a dye transfer, which is like a sort of an artist proof of this photo of a photographer that he just made a movie on. What? And That's like incredible. randomly. <laughs> And yeah, for like 150 bucks. And mm -hmm. then the artist who's still alive was like, oh, you should insure that for like $15,000. <gasps> so that's really, that's the best one. Wow. He's like, mm, that's worth a lot of money. Oh my God. <laughs> Save my face for years to come. <laughs> He's just like, just so you know, mm -hmm. I plan on blowing up. And so get the insurance <laughs> now, boo, because it's about to go I up. I love that. I, so cool. I am like... As a hobby, shopping, and maybe it's the pandemic kind of stresses me out. I think I used to kind of like grazing through a shore and store and just like touching every shirt and being like, what am I going to try on? And now I'm always like, get in, get out. And I'm like, I want to get back to that. And I feel like maybe something like searching for treasure in, in a thrift store will make me feel like a little bit more tied to the process of shopping again. I miss shopping. 
Yeah, I mean, I miss mall. Like, I, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, so, like, malls were, like, a huge part of growing up. Like, your parents would just drop you at the mall. But, yeah, that is definitely something lost in the pandemic, that sort of urge yeah. to browse. Speaking of growing up, um, I know your mom is a celebrated poet. She actually, like, wrote one of my favorite poems ever to the woman crying uncontrollably in the next stall. I love that poem so much. And I was curious, what was it like growing up in a creative household, did it feel like you're like, I'm going to be an actor, and they're like, stay away from this fresh hell? Or are they more like, yes, pursue your dreams? Did you feel supported or or like you're being a rebel in any way? No, I, I lucked out completely. My, my parents were very supportive of me doing basically anything other than becoming Republican. They were like, it, you, I mean... They they were they were um, so supportive and so surprised when I started to make a living at it. Like I don't think they were. Uh, I I don't think their or my idea of being in the arts ever included like financial stability. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was a surprise. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I really like on my bad days. I think about. God, I, I'm just so insanely lucky to have this as a career and to to um, support myself because my my both my parents were artists. My dad was a musician, and my mom was a poet, is a poet, and uh, struggled so much. And my mother is an insanely successful poet, but she doesn't make a lot of money. That poetry is not valued in our society the way fake fucking on TV is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> says a lot about us, but you're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. It's true. Uh, so I, I feel so lucky, and um, I really respect the way they both dealt with their art. And my mom, you know, my mom was in Penthouse when I was a kid. She had an erotic short story in Penthouse because that was a way to pay the bills. Like, she did things that, she, like, you know, sort of adjacent to her passion to pay bills. But she, uh, you know, she's she's a true artist. And that example was set for me. So I never felt, I mean, I did, society told me I should feel bad when I was a waitress and not acting and not working. But, um, but my home never made me feel bad about that. There was never like, well, give up this dream. It was like, no, do what you want and, and, probably be poor for the rest of your life. And that's okay, because money is not the ultimate goal. Wow. I, I'm really moved by that, actually, because I do feel like so many of us who make our living doing art or whatever, it's the exact opposite. Like, there's not only society telling you that. Your parents are just like, um, you can't <laughs> eat won't pay you the bills. <laughs> you can't eat them poems, girl. So you got to have to figure it out. So I really think that that is a beautiful way. And so many times, even as professional artists, we judge the quality of our work by how successful it is monetarily. But I think that's a great lesson for people to, to realize and to take. It's just that success doesn't always mean um, monetary success. Um, sometimes there's something beautiful to get just by the act of doing the thing. In fact, money can sometimes pervert the experience in some way. Like when this becomes your job, it, again, it's such a gift and it's so incredible, but it does something different than the, the you know, it, 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 it becomes a job 
And um, the reason that most of us got into this, you know, into any art was not necessarily because we were like, this is how I want to make my money. It's because we were excited about the thing and just purely for the joy of it. Now, that said, somebody said to me recently, we act for free. Uh, we get paid to do press. And I said, I do not act for free. I am um, <laughs> 39. I mean, yes, I act for free and I audition and yes, I do readings. And I do, yeah, but like, as a no, actually, if it's my job, I would like to be paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> so I think artists get the other side of that, of like, you should do it for free, which I don't agree with. But but there is something pure about uh, about doing something be- because you love it and not because it's it's a part of the career. Yeah, and remembering that like North Star, it's hard. Like you said, once, yeah, being like, oh, I should be doing this. I should take this job. I should think about this. I should have this meeting or whatever. And then it's sort of like, well, wait, why? Trying to remind yourself, wait, why am I doing this again? <laughs> and sometimes you do sort of, I personally kind of lose my compass every now and then and have to re-remind myself, um, wait, no, these are the things that you really care about. These are the things you want to focus on. <laughs> you can get caught, you know, it's it's interesting. I feel like i uh, I was thinking about how ill-suited I am for this podcast in some ways because I can be very um, uh, suspicious of of mm. positivity in yeah. a certain way. Like you, I, you can get caught in a gratitude mm-hmm. trap that m- makes you not allowed mm-hmm. to feel your feelings or um, – and because I grew up in San Francisco, sort of around Yuck. that culture Crystals and, and sort of a um, – <laughs> Mm -hmm. crystals and shit which by the way I was having a bad day and my friend Michaela gave me some crystals and I was like I will Mm -hmm. take these crystals I'm much more open to it now (laughs) but I also am I get you know I get sort of nervous about the 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 negative aspects that I've experienced around like wellness culture sometimes um and um I but I also feel like as I get older, I'm I'm a lot more open to all of it. Because, like, whatever works. We all just want to, like, be happy. And whatever that is, whether that's God, whether that's self-help, whether that's the artist's way, like, it feels like, you know, why judge that? The, the judgment was – is sort of an old um, remnant of somebody inside me that I don't really need anymore. Yeah, I love that you said that because I, I truly think that, like – yeah, I get suspicious of I'm from the South, Bible Belt, and people who like can think they can pray themselves happy. And I am sort of like, well, it's a practice, you know, it's like the things that you do to practice happiness are so important and practice yeah. being well. But if you don't acknowledge the dark, it comes back. <laughs> so I think, yeah, so much of even why we started this was because we're like we feel like we're almost being like covered by everything happening in the world. And it's like, it's less that, oh, I think an antidote will make me feel good forever. It's more like, it'll make me feel good for just one little hour. <laughs> and then I'll go back <laughs> to remembering the world and exactly. shit. But yeah, I, I feel you. I am someone who historically is suspicious of happiness too. And I, I love that you said that. It just really spoke to me. <laughs> well, I have a question. Um, so Amy talked a little bit about um, how your mom's poem really, really affected her and she really loved it. Do you have a piece of art uh, in your life that you remember, either a book, a play, a show, fine art, that has had some sort of impact on your life? You know, I, um, 
I I want to come up with some sort of like interesting cool answer, but the truth is <laughs> the truth is that um the artist's way helped me so much uh and continues to help me. And I am uh I I uh I do not believe in God and uh she uses the word God a lot. And I found that really hard uh as we as I worked through the book and she's like, just replace it with something else. I was like, it's a pretty strong word to replace, but I, you know, you can. Um, but I find her workbook just like wildly helpful. And I do morning pages every day still and, and get still. Yeah. That's so great. Um, I also love the artist way and I tried to do the other books that she has, Mm -hmm. but, but I don't, I didn't have as much success, but, um, but that's so cool that you still do artist pages every day. Yeah. And it's great, too, when you're not working and feeling like, oh, I I didn't, you know, I, I'm not an artist at this moment because it just sort of gives you permission. And I've given it to a lot of people. So I, I would say that that's, you know, that and like Rilke letters to a young poet kind of shit from college that like, I think those things enter your life at a certain stage of life too. So when I was first encountering those kinds of books, I would, it really like blew my mind open in that way that I wish I could let my mind be blown a little more as I get older. And I, and I hope to find more things that blow my mind the way those books did when I was younger. Yes. Do you have anything coming up you want to tell us about? Anything you'd like to plug? It can even be something you just love, not something that you're, you um, created. I'd like to plug the the cup of coffee I'm going to make tomorrow. I'm going to like take my time with it. Let's pour yes. over, grind my own beans, sip it slowly. I feel like that's what's coming up next for me. I love that for you. <laughs> I will be enjoying coffee on the West Coast in your honor. Um, now, your Instagram says you're no longer here. So where can people find you nowadays on the Internet? Or uh, you, you can, you can find me on Instagram and I, I will pop in occasionally. I took about an eight month break and it was great. And so I'm probably going to do it again. But I, I'm on, you know, I got to promote some shit. So <laughs> it's maybe I a cash. My ambivalence is right there in my handle. <laughs> uh, this has been great. Yes, thank you so much for dropping by and dropping some knowledge on us today. Thank Thanks you so both. much, Aya. Bye. Okay, to close us out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Um, so here's this week's quote. To practice any art, no matter how well or badly, is a way to make your soul grow. So do it. That's by Kurt Vonnegut. I'll say it one more time. To practice any art, no matter how well or badly, is a way to make your soul grow. So do it. And that, again, is by Kurt Vonnegut. What does that make you think, Amy? Mm, I love it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) It makes me think, yes, you should practice whatever art you can touch. Like, even if you're bad at it, so do it. I love that. It makes your soul grow. I completely agree. And, you know, I'm going to personalize it a little bit in that in our, like, you know, writing was a creative thing that we used to do for fun. Like even thinking of our guest today, Aya, talking about monetizing your creativity and how that can mm-hmm. actually kind of turn it into a job. And I actually, the more I grow in my career, the more I seek new ways to be creative. 
not because writing doesn't make my soul grow anymore, but because there's a price attached to it. There's like a, there's like a, 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 like, it sounds bad, but like, I don't know how to say it in a non-bad way, but a burden attached to writing sometimes because I have to do it for work. Um, And Mm -hmm. it still makes me grow. It still makes my soul grow. But I look for other things like my flower arranging, going to museums, taking long drives, taking photographs, directing. Like there are all these other things that I do. So all of that are things that like there are times where I'm like, oh, I don't have time to do this. I got to write. And then I'm sort of like, no, go to that museum, girl, because it's going to help your writing. Go like mess around with them flowers. It's going to help your writing. And all of it does. So Mm. I love that, Mr. Vonnegut. Um, I will go do it. What does it make you think, Grace? Well, it actually makes me think of the artistic things I don't do anymore. Like mm, I used, yeah, honestly, it does. I used to dance and I used to take voice lessons. I used to do a lot more acting. I used to be part of a sketch group. I used to do improv. So in the pursuit of being a creative person as a career, I will admit that sometimes I feel the need to be good at creative things or it feels embarrassing. Um, And that's stupid. And I don't know why. It's kind of like sometimes I'm like, master that shit or what's the point, which is a real dumb point of view to have. Um, Like, for example, singing brings me joy. So even though I'm not Jasmine Sullivan, I can carry a tune. But I stop because I'm like, what if someone in Hollywood sees me doing it? And it's like, oh, bitch, oh, this bitch thinks she's Summer Walker or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, first of all, nobody's even thinking about me like that. And Hollywood (laughs) is not coming to wherever I would be singing. No. Uh, Shower? No, neither. (laughs) (laughs) so I was just saying and acting is sort of the same for me it's kind of like unless I'm Viola Davis why do it so that is a point of view that I'm really trying to shake free of that because art makes your soul grow do it because you enjoy it bitch like you don't have to master it you know dance because you love it you don't be having to hit the choreo like blue ivy young icon you know um, do I does it make you smile grace do, does your body feel good doing yeah, it? Yeah, I um, I, that just made me think of because all the things you said you used to do, I also used to do. It, apart from acting, everything else like dancing, singing, all of it, um, improv, and uh, I don't anymore. But I took um, a ballet class. I used to be really hardcore. I was like, I will be the first black ballerina at the ABA. Mm-hmm. And then like Misty Copeland came along and like stole all that shit. Um, and also like I was not good. I also was not good. <laughs> uh, hot take. Uh, Amy is mad at Misty Copeland. No, no, no. I was pretty trash. I was not that good. I just really liked ballet. But I don't do it anymore because in that same vein as you, I was like, well, if you can't be great at it, why do it? But I did take an adult ballet class that was offered at the gym down the street from me. And I took this ballet class one day. And when I tell you, it, I, I went and I was scared I was going to feel bad because I've taken some ballet classes as an adult that make me feel like shit because I'm like, wow, I have no flexibility, blah, 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 all the things. But for some reason, I think because everyone in the class was kind of bad, it was so fun. And I like had the biggest smile on my face the whole time. There's a moment we were doing some move and I caught eyes with someone in the class and it was a guy. It was another, uh, it was a guy in the class and he like looked and we caught eyes like an embarrassment because we both messed up. And he kind of like gave this little shrug and started laughing and I started laughing and I was like, this is incredible. Like, why have I not been 
dancing this whole time because I'm not an expert? You dumb bitch, get in the studio. This is so fun. So I didn't think of it the way that you said it when I first heard the quote, but it is making me realize that. Like, yeah, yeah if you like it, do it. We should all be singing and dancing just a, a little bit A thousand percent. We should all be doing it. Oh, thank you, Mr. Vonnegut. You actually gave us some real great advice I know. today. Some good advice. Never would have expected that from a white man. Maybe. <laughs> 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 well, uh, thanks for listening to the antidote. Uh, we hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? <laughs> I feel good, girl. <laughs> we should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. It's produced by Jenna Hanchard and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Evan Clark. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM studio executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Bye-bye. Bye.